Sitä pelataan podcast. My first year in the board game media. Hi again, it's been a very long time. Last summer I recorded previously, I think. But anyway, in this episode I'm thinking that I will go through my first year in this content creation, although some people don't like it, but I consider myself as a content creator of some sort. It doesn't make my worth any less in my eyes, but that's what I'm doing. I'm creating content. I don't know if it's good or bad, but some content at least. So I'm thinking that I'll go through the first year of doing this stuff in the board game media, and then I'll also give you my top nine games from 2018. Now that I finally managed to play all the games from myself that I wanted to play before making this list. So anyway, 9th of March 2018, I began doing this thing. So it's a bit over one year ago. Today is 19th of March when I'm recording this. And that was the time when I posted my first picture in Instagram. And that picture was of Merlin. And to somehow celebrate my anniversary, I posted a photo of Merlin again after one year of posting the first picture. This time it featured also the expansion Arthur plus one of the queenies, the treasures of the environs. So anyway, why I'm doing this? I said it probably in the first episode or in the intro episode. But me and all of you can blame Dan Hughes for this thing because I suggested him that they should have some kind of different language thing in this game is broken podcast which is actually a really good podcast, you all should listen to it, but you probably do already, like everyone else who is cool, like you are. And Dan was so kind and helpful with it, so that I thought that I should also try to make a podcast. Not in English, but in Finnish. And then, after I was thinking about it, thinking about it for maybe a month or so, I thought that, let's see, I'll make an Instagram account and Twitter account and Facebook page and... SoundCloud page and everything and I reserved the name because I thought that this is a good name for the podcast. Maybe it's not good in English because probably you have no idea how to pronounce it or what it means or anything. But let's see, maybe at the end of the episode we'll have a short Finnish lesson about some terminology and how to pronounce podcast related stuff in Finnish. So you'll learn something also from this episode. You don't waste your time listening to me babble alone. I took some data when it was one year anniversary for my board game media stuff. So on 9th of March 2019, so this year, in Instagram I had 169 posts and 302 followers. I have a few more of both of them at the moment. And in Twitter, my first post is 28th of March 2018 and I had 151 tweets and 45 followers. Here also both of them are a bit higher number at the moment than it was 10 days ago when I wrote those down. In Facebook my first post is 31st of March 2018 and there are 24 page likes. That hasn't gone anywhere, not up or down. 
people don't like Facebook pages, it seems, because you can find the stuff without liking them. So it's actually quite useless to like them, maybe. But you can go and like my page. I'm posting in English, mostly. If it has any content in it that is related to English, but most of it is English. Very rarely I post in Finnish in any of the media that I'm using. In SoundCloud, my first episode is uploaded on 14th of April 2018. And so far I have 26 episodes. 20 of them are Finnish and 6 are English. I had 1942 plays, but now it's over 2000. Someone from Johansu where I live in obviously had it on repeat because I had like 200 listens in a week from this city and I have no idea who could have listened because it doesn't show me the username and I have no idea who's clicking it. Not me, I swear. And none of my friends said that they are doing it or relatives. They didn't say that they are faking the stats. I don't know, maybe my students found the podcast or something. It would be cool to know who it is, so please tell me who is repeatedly listening to this stuff. (laughs) Just let me know so I know, because it's a bit curious. Uh, My most played episode is Top 81 Owned Games, Part 1, which is the spots 81 to 72, and it had 160 plays when I recorded the numbers. The most listened English episode is the UK Games Expo episode from last summer, which is the previous English episode that I've recorded also. But probably people are listening to that because it has interviews in it, not because of what there is in it. But still, if you didn't listen it yet, you maybe want to check it out because there are very short interviews of content creators. Yes, Dan, you're a content creator. And the questions I ask are maybe not the normal type of questions that people are asking the board game media personalities that they interview or such. At least I tried to make the interviews so that they are not so common that everyone has done them. I finally made my WordPress page alive on 14th of June 2018. That's when I have posted the first post in there. And there was 252 site views by 171 different visitors. Actually, I don't know if they are different, but that's the number of visitors that the site stats show. Then, in the autumn, I recorded my top 81 games and a few other top 9 lists. And went to this Lautapelaama convention that is solely a gaming convention. And... It's the biggest gaming convention in Finland where you just game. There are bigger ones, but they are not free to attend. And they have other stuff in them also. And not only gaming. And then I noticed that teaching is taking so much time. Because I had this huge course in the university. I had somewhere above 300 students and too much teaching. And everything I couldn't really find enough time to record or do anything with the podcast. I was trying to keep the Instagram updated and such, but I didn't use Twitter at all because I saw in the summer that Twitter is getting very annoying to follow and I in a way quit following it totally for the autumn. There were so much negativity last summer in the Twitter in board game media, so I just 
thought that I'm staying away from this because it would have been maybe at some point difficult to stay silent and I didn't want to do that. It would have also been really bad to do <laughs> do something like that because I'm a nobody in this podcast media so maybe it was a good choice. Since the beginning of the year I've tried to be more active on Twitter because all the cool kids seem to be there and there are actually good tweets and everything and I haven't seen this negativity that much as I saw in the summer so now it seems to be a fine place to stay. In December I began doing this clips to Roy Canada's favorite game Friday. You can see them in Instagram. Well, not anymore. It seems that Roy is not putting them to Instagram, but they are in the Dice Tower YouTube channel at least, if nowhere else. I'm not making very good clips, but at least I'm making some clips. And I thought that it's a very good and very interesting format, so why not take part in it if Roy allows me to do it? And Roy allowed me to do it when he finally saw the emails that I sent. I tried to find him and catch him through all the possible means, but he was so busy that he couldn't reply anywhere. And then when he replied, I decided that, okay, this is a good thing. I'm going to do it. At least try to do it. I think I missed one. Yeah, one I missed because I had a work trip. I couldn't record. Maybe two. No, one, I think. Only one, I think, since I began And if you haven't checked it out, please check it out, because if you... Some people are commenting in YouTube that this is not professional, this is awkward. So what? That's not the point. It's not supposed to be some kind of studio quality. Just... (laughs) Then don't watch if you don't like it. Someone might be hurt from what you say. Don't do it. Just shut up. And don't watch. No one tries to be professional in that. If they try, it's their problem but the point is to show a game and the idea is that it's not professional it's just the people's opinions i really don't like it that people are mocking people who are trying to do something and i don't know maybe it makes the complainers feel better about themselves or something but there's no point in that just skip it if you don't like it but majority of the comments are always nice and the people are very how should I say, very, very eager to comment and share their own views. And it's very good that people are commenting, as it shows that it's it's giving the people some kind of thing to think about and giving the people the possibility to share their own opinions and their own likes. And I really like this thing that Roy is doing, and I hope that he keeps doing it. Still, although he's now in the Dice Tower, congratulations to him, by the way, but... He is probably more busy now, so it might be difficult to find the time. But still, it's a good thing he should do it. And in Finland, we began this similar thing. We have a Facebook group, board game fanatics. Yeah, fanatic is a ridiculous word. I hate that word. I wouldn't use it, but that's the group name, and that's where the discussion happens. And we began this Kuukaudenpeli. It means game of a month. There has been a vote earlier now we began making videos for that it's a bit like this favorite game friday but still a bit different and it's only once a month and it's accompanied with the voting in the facebook group Um, have you checked all my media i mean i don't know where you are finding this from do you subscribe it do you 
find it from Google? Where do you find it? Comment somewhere. Where did you reach this episode? And do you follow me everywhere? Do you follow me in Instagram? Do you follow me in Twitter? Do you like my page in Facebook? Probably not. There's only one English speaking person liking the page. And just let me know. Comment anywhere. Because it's really interesting to me that what is the media that reaches you. And what do you want to see more or less or what I'm doing wrong or what I'm doing right or should I just quit or (laughs) something. I'm not quitting, sorry. But more about that later in this podcast. But really, I'm interested in this. And let's see how the next year goes. I'm trying to double the numbers. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to double the numbers of tweets or pictures or posts or something. But I'm trying to double the likes and follows. And of course the place of the episodes. Not necessarily the number of them. But if I want to double the place, I should double the numbers also. Because there are more, more stuff to listen for you in that case. And that's my goal. I try to double. And then if I double and then the coming year I also have the same goal to double. It means that it I quadrupled this, this first year's numbers. And that would be awesome to me. But we'll begin from doubling at least. <laughs> Let's see how it goes next year. I'm not sad if it doesn't meet the goal or such. That goal is just what I'm thinking that it would be a good goal. And of course, most importantly, I want you to enjoy what I'm doing. That's the most important thing, that you get something out of this stuff. If I was doing it only for myself, I would talk to the walls. Although I'm now talking to a wall also, because I'm standing in that kind of a position in front of the microphone. Well, there's a window, but anyway, there was a squirrel. And I'm doing this so that you get something out of this. I wouldn't do it just for myself. It's a bit silly. If I would do something for just myself, I would play solo board games or something. But also, because I think I have some kind of insight into this thing, and I'm that kind of a person that I'm very analytical and observant on these things, at least in my opinion. So I want to share my views of these things. You agree or you don't agree, it doesn't matter, as long as you have some thoughts from what I'm doing. And if you genuinely like my content remember genuinely like my content i would appreciate it a lot if you would tell to people that maybe check this podcast out or maybe check this instagram account out or maybe look what he's tweeting he's mostly just making stupid comments to other people's tweets or retweeting people or something that's the best thing you can do and it would mean so much to me if you do it Or if you don't like the content, just say to your worst enemy that, hey, listen to this. Uh, But don't don't say that to some kind of trolls who are going to just complain about nothing. Because then I will get some feedback that is not genuine and I don't like it. It's useless feedback. I have some kind of highlights in this career of mine. It's not a career, but this endeavor of mine. Maybe I'll share them with you. These are not in a order, but there are a few things. Like when beginning Instagram, I got some followers and then I didn't get some followers. And I I really, it was a 
big moment for me when Ella loves board games began following me because she's making really good content and I like her photos and she has a very good taste in games also. I have quite similar taste as she does. And when she followed me in Instagram I felt like okay someone someone who is really cool is following me. I don't know if she's checking <laughs> what I put uh, the posts or the pictures but at least she's following me. So maybe at some point she will see a picture that I put in the Instagram or something. But I, I felt really moved let's say. Another thing and this is probably the highlight of this whole thing and I don't think I can ever top it but uh, Apple Podcasts put out a tweet that recommend podcasts that you enjoy listening and Blueback Pinkback added <laughs> me to the podcast that they like and this is I still don't understand it because I only have what four episodes in English or four proper episodes in English actually and <laughs> how can they recommend me if that's the content I have but I mean I'm I'm so humbled by that <laughs> I still think that it was a mistake or a typo or something from Patrick but he said that it wasn't and it really warms my heart that my heroes I mean Blueback Pinkback is my favorite podcast in the world and I so eagerly wait for all of their episodes and to be recognized by such a podcast I, I don't know if I can get anything more important or any more important or any better recognition in this thing that I do than that one tweet that made me so happy for days. But also now I'm <laughs> somehow obliged to do a good job with this and I'm obliged to record in English and that's the other side of it because okay it's difficult to find time to record already in Finnish but doing it in another language which is not somehow even my native language or anything it's just a additional language that I'm thinking that I can speak well speak well enough to make a podcast in that language and it takes more energy to do it in English than it does in Finnish because in Finnish I can just babble very easily I can just talk 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 but in English I have to think some words at some points when I'm using that kind of terminology that I don't use in my work. So basically if it's something that is not educational jargon or research jargon, I have to sometimes consider what to use. Or of course if it's not a board game jargon. And then I have to consider my pronunciation at the same time a bit when I'm recording. So at this moment, sorry, if I'm raping your language or doing something that is making your ears bleed or such. That's not the intent. Just try to hear the <laughs> possible topic behind the words and the pronunciation. Possible because there might not be any content in it. There, It might be very empty words and such, but I hope that there is something behind it in any case. And then very important thing also was when I went to UK Games Expo with my wife and my daughter. We went with the whole family and I met these guys. I met Tom Vassell and Z Garcia and all the guys from this game is broken except the Murphs because they are not from UK. And I met Isaac Childress and he's dead it. I think it's it. it. If I forgot someone, please, please forgive me. Well, I met Luke Hector, but I couldn't interview him. 
But all these people I talked with, they were so nice in person. And I thought that yes, this is, I want to be doing this. I want to be part of this family. And the atmosphere also in the UK Games Expo is and was so good that we are going there again next year. Next year meaning this year, so next time. So please, if you're going to UK Games Expo, please let me know if you want to meet me, if you want to be quickly interviewed, if you want to interview me. I don't see a reason why someone would want to interview me, but in any case, we are coming there and this year we are staying close to the neck, neck meaning the NEC, so maybe this year I can actually play a game and not just take a train from Birmingham and run back the train to Birmingham and such. And a friend of mine is also coming with us this year, so I don't have to hang around playing alone because the kid has to go to sleep. So I hope to see all of you in UK Games Expo, if possible. I actually got a press pass. This is very funny. I just thought that, okay, I'll apply. And they said, that, okay, here is your press pass. And I thought, that, what? You gave it, okay. I thought that you're not giving it because I don't have enough followers and such, but I guess the point is that because I'm from Finland and I can do some coverage in Finnish, that's a big factor in that. And also I didn't know that with the press pass you don't need the tickets. So I was like, what? Am I allowed to enter with this? Okay, I didn't know. I just thought that I'll get to see the preview show and that's it. But it seems that I can enter the convention also, so... That's good. It's a positive thing. Other than that, um, I mentioned that I've had these positive things and I also said that Twitter is negative and such. And I've also noticed, I've been observing the content creators, so to say, that some of them are very talkative and they respond to everyone. Everyone meaning me, of course, in this case, because I have no further research. But some content creators try to reply to every message they get and every comment in Instagram or Twitter or anywhere and some are just ignoring them or maybe they don't ignore but they don't reply. I don't know why it is. I hope it's not because some people think that they don't need to reply to people who comment or such. It's really interesting because in my opinion when you're creating content or when you're doing something with media in this small hobby as board gaming is, you really should treat everyone equally. And I'm unfortunately seeing some people not treating everyone equally. And it's not nice. Of course it might be different if you've been longer doing this, maybe five years or so. This is I'm not using anyone as an example, don't get me wrong. But you might become numb to these things. But also you should consider that someone might be new into this and they might need your help and they might want boost or they might want some recognition or how can I say? I mean, you should treat them like you wanted to be treated when you began. Remember when you began this stuff, what did you want to hear or see or did you want someone to respond to you or reply to you or compliment you or something? I mean, in anything, this kind of ivory towers or such, they are not a good thing you will fall down one way or another and you shouldn't really build them or climb to them. Also, I've noticed that it's really difficult to get followers for some reason. I see some accounts that are 
made in Instagram this year and they have already almost 1000 followers. I don't know why it is. Maybe my content is not good, but then again, thinking like that is ridiculous. I mostly think that the reason is that I'm not adding my Facebook friends or anyone. I'm not inviting anyone to like me. But I want people to follow me or like my photos because of the content, not because they have some kind of obligation to do so, because they are my friends in Facebook or such. If they don't care at all, they don't care at all. I don't want them to follow me just to boost the number of followers. It's a bit silly. But I think most problematic is the name, because it's in Finnish, and it's not that easy to understand what it is. Also, I'm not using my own face as a profile photo in Twitter or anywhere. I'm using this logo that I finally managed to make to suit my wishes and such. But I don't really know. These are just ponderings and I'm just thinking that how this scene is and what can I do in it to make it somehow more welcoming or more equal or something. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm able to do anything alone, but at least if someone messages me or something, I try to reply or I try to respond. I might forget sometimes, but then later I reply. At least I try to. And I usually only like if I really like something. So if anyone gets a like from me, then it means that I've liked the picture or the text that you've written to the picture or the tweet or whatever it might be. I'm not liking just for the sake of liking. That's also wrong in my opinion. Not necessarily wrong because it can give positive feeling to the person whose content I like, but I don't want to be in a way mildly dishonest either to like something I don't like. It's just my character and it's my problem, not (laughs) your problem of course. But I don't know, I just would want everything to be equal and everyone to have the similar chance to do things. But it's not always the case. And that's fine, it's the world we live in. And it's life and (laughs) what can we do about it? Nothing. But I'm fine with it, because I have to be fine with it. Otherwise I would have so much negativity in my life if I took everything like that too hard and would think like that. I mean, come on, I'm teaching and educating future teachers in university and I have hundreds of students in a year if I take everything negative or if I take everything very deeply. If someone has a bad day, it won't really ruin my weeks or my months. But I can't do it, so I've learned to not take it that deeply. Of course, if it's constructive criticism and good feedback, I take it, and I try to learn from it. But I guess that's enough babbling from me, and let's go to the feature that you're probably waiting, or probably not, but anyway. So we'll get into my top 9 games of 2018. On the ninth place, I have a game that I've only played once, but 
this game deserves to be on this list because it will either be really good game or then it will fall flat. And the game is Detective by Ignacy Trevicek and Portal Games. It's a modern take on a detective game. It's like a, in a way like Sherlock Holmes consulting detective in modern day. We played it two player after waiting for a very long time to have time to play it. But I think two is maybe not enough for this game. Whereas in Sherlock Holmes consulting detective two is about the maximum that you should play with. But here you need the phone and you need the computer and you need someone to write notes and someone to check cards and such. I think three players or even four players might be best for this one. But then again, if you play with less players, you have these consultants that give you tokens that make your life easier at some moments in the game. The first case was easier than we thought. We tried to figure out too much and do too much things in it, but it's not possible because there's not enough time to do it. So basically we ran out of time, we couldn't solve everything. But we cleared it anyway. And we got some clues for the future, that's a good thing. And this can really be a great game. It can go high. I've now rated it 8. But it can go higher. But it can also go lower if it doesn't get better. Because then there is nothing new coming. And there should be something new coming in this kind of a game. The game was Detective. Eight. On the 8th place... There's a game from Next Move Games and Emerson Matsuchi, and the game is Reef. Reef is a very easy to learn game. It's similar to Azul in my opinion, but <laughs> this game is that kind of a game that everyone who's playing it with you, they get in your way. All the time they are in your way. They take the cards that you need, they do the moves that you need, and... I actually like it that it's you can't plan too much because others have similar plans as you do. And the scoring is really cool because you look from above. It doesn't matter what you have on your board except what it looks from above. Basically you either take a card or play a card. If you take a card you take the card and that's it. If you play a card you first take the coral pieces that are shown in the card and then you place them on your board. And after that, you check if you have the pattern and the card. If it's there, you get points. Once per pattern. Meaning that if the pattern is shown two times, you get two times those points. That's it. Most points wins at the end of the game. I've played this two player and four player and both of them are very good player counts for this. I assume that three is also very good. Two player is less tight, unlike in Azul where... Two player is the backstabbiest of backstabby games. But in this one, four players is very tight because you can't really plan and you can't think that I'm doing this. With two players you have more control because there can be good cards, more than one on the table where to choose from. So you can think that I take either that or that. And you can have two different paths that you're following. In four player game... All the cards in the table can be gone when it's your next turn. And this is really good gateway level game. The game is Reef. 
Seven. Seventh on the list is again some kind of a gateway game. It's Gizmos by Phil Walker Harding and Simon. This is a cool take on an engine builder and a tableau builder wherein you use these marbles that you get from a marble dispenser which is actually in a way just bling but then again you see a certain number of marbles that are coming you pick them and you use them to build things and after you've built things the things that you've built are cards and they are on your table in front of you and after you have built them you can activate them meaning that if you do a certain action you activate the card and then you do something with the card and then that might activate another card and then you have combos and combos and combos and you get chain reactions and that is really interesting mechanism in this game it might be a bit overwhelming if you have too many combos but then again you don't have to build your engine like that and this is really solid nice looking game with a good table presence and it's also easy to learn and it's easy to get to table and it's very fun and quick. The game was Gizmos. Six. The sixth on this list is from the same publisher as the previous game, Simon, and the game is Rising Sun. I backed the Kickstarter and I don't regret it at all. Earlier I also backed Blood Rage Kickstarter and that I regretted a bit because there was so much stuff in it. But actually just a few months back I sold all the exclusive minis because I still had them in shrink. I didn't unwrap them yet even. And I got enough money from them to buy expenses to Railways of the World so I think it's a good deal to me. Anyway, the game Rising Sun. This is a really interesting backstabbing game I mean uh, area control game but I really like the combat some people might not like the combat that you hiddenly assign coins on the parts of the combat that you want to be successful in or not successful in but I really like the combat system because you don't have to win the combat to be successful and also the idea that you know that which places or areas are going into war and you can prepare or you can just leave them unattended and trying to collect a set in a way that you try to get all the regions during the game and it has so many small things in it that it makes a good experience for the players because you might like one part of the game and you might not like the other one but usually you find more things that you like than you don't like and I really think that this is very easy to play game but very hard to play it very well. Of course it depends on your group. If your group is always wanting to hit you, then it's not good for you. And I don't know, now that I'm talking about it, I want to play it again. Maybe I'll play it in a convention that's coming up in a week. Yeah, that might be a good idea. But anyway, this is nothing like Blood Rage, although some people are saying it's like Blood Rage. The only thing similar is similar style of minis and the same designer, Eric Lang. So that's it. It's also very easy to play 
and begin to play. I'm repeating this because if you haven't tried it, you should try to try it because it might be a different game for you. And if you don't like these kinds of games, you should still try it because there are some aspects that make it different. I'm not very much of a fan of this kind of games either, but this one I liked more than I expected actually. The game was Rising Sun. Fifth on the list is one of the most colorful games in my collection and I really like how it looks. And although many people say that there's no theme in the game, I think that there is theme in the game. You just have to find it from there. Like in most of the games, there is a theme, otherwise they would be abstracts. Remember that people, it doesn't matter if it's pasted on or not, but Usually there is theme in a game. The game is from Egerspiel and it's designed by Flaminia Brazzini and Virginio Gigli. And those two have made Lorenzo il Magnifico and I love that game. So, after hearing Blueback Pinkback give Coimbra a full 6 review the only one in the history of that podcast. Everyone gave it a 6, so full score. And then after that, Matthew Jude reviewed this on YouTube in This Game is Broken's channel. I decided that, okay, I have to get this. I had not much interest on this game before that, except those designers made me interested in the game, but I thought that, uh, uh, it's a dice drafting and dice placement game, I don't like it, but after those guys convinced me, I almost immediately ordered this and it's a great game. Well, it's very interesting because there is dice drafting, yeah, 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 drafting the dice, yeah, 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 nothing new, but when you draft the die, the die that you take, what matters in the die is the pips, So the number on the die and also the color of the die. Because if you take a higher number, you get to buy a card earlier, but it also costs more. And then the color matters because whatever is the color in the next phase, you can do that action. So if you don't take yellow die during your turn, you won't get the money action. And so on and so forth. So basically... You need to think two phases of your turn, even three phases or four phases or everything in your turn when you draft in the beginning. This is very rare in a drafting game because usually you just draft and you think just a bit forward. But in this game you have to think so much forward and you have to put emphasis on what is the most important thing to you. Is it important to get the card first before the others? Is it important to pay less for the card? Is it important to take a certain action? Or what is important to you? I mean, there are so many different things to consider in this game that it's not really possible to explain it very clearly. We played it with four and it took a bit long. Luckily, there was no one who has this AP proneness because otherwise it would have taken so long, this has a AP trap, be aware if you're 
planning to get it to the table. And especially if you have AP, maybe think a bit before you play that what do you want to do in the game. It will speed up your own process a lot and save you from a lot of frustration during the game. I assume this would be best with three players. I have to try it with two because I think that my wife would really like this game. It's there tempting me on the shelf, but there are still a few games that I want to get to table before that. With the wife, that is. And the game was Coimbra. Four. On the fourth place in my list is the prettiest and nicest looking game on the list. This might actually be even more colorful than Coimbra that I talked about earlier. This game has a really good pace and very nice tempo in it, so it's really quick. When you take the turns, you choose where you move, you can move to two different directions. You move there, you take a tile and you place it on your table. Or rather your player board, where you have your own little village that you're trying to build. When you complete a building on your village, you get a bonus. If you complete a field or a lake, you get the goods from it. At the end of every round, when the tiles end from the main board, there is a scoring. And the scoring happens in a player order. The first player puts a disc between two cards and scores both of those cards. If he or she can't score both of those cards, he or she will get minus four points for each card that he can't or she can't score. Do you know what game this is? It's the fantastic Carpe Diem by Stefanfeld and Ravensburger. And no, it's not colorful, it's not nice looking, but then again, it doesn't have to be. But there are two different types of tiles that you have to sort. One is light green and one is dark green. If the light in the room that where you're sorting them is not good, they're all green. I mean, what the... Why do you do like this, Ravensburger? Come on! Don't do this stuff. The others can have brown base. Seriously. Or something else. Or one can be yellow. What is this kind of a... I want to make a mild swearing word, but maybe not. Also, some of the building's colors are so similar, like brown and yellow. Uh, uh, why are you doing like this? Come on! You need to play this game in a proper light. Then it's a great game. And I especially like the pace of the game, and it's really punishing this scoring. <laughs> if people take the cards that you would be able to fulfill, and you have to choose some, some cards that you can't really fulfill, you're getting penalty. And that's really bad, and it can make you feel bad. And, yeah. <laughs> but the game is really good, you should try it. The, your turns are lightning fast. I mean, you move somewhere, take a tile, and while you're putting it to your player board, it might be your turn again. It moves so quickly after the players know what to do. Because they have this certain thing that they can do, or should do, and should do. Because... They can't really put anywhere, they have to continue where they began building. And it's really, 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 really good game. Try it. If you don't want to look at it, close your eyes or something.
until it's set up, then it's lookable. But the box is grey. But it, the artwork is not that bad, but the color selection is... <sighs> color selection is... Okay, I'm not commenting. The game was Carpe Diem. Before I get to my top three games, I'll give some honorable mentions here and I say something about the year as a whole. Because in my opinion, last year, 2018, there were a lot of good games. But that's about it. A lot of good games, but they went like... I, d- I didn't find many like awesome games that are so good and... I love them and such, but so many good games. I'm looking at my ratings and I have 15 that I've ga- I gave a rating of 8. And this doesn't include the unlocks and exits that I played. They are mostly all of them are 8 or over. These are other games. And I didn't give any under 5s. And I don't really know. But what was interesting was that there were not that many heavy games that I got to play. And there were not that many very light games that I got to play. But lots of gateway games and medium light Euros. I, I don't know if you agree with me that last year wasn't the year of a heavy game. For me at least, it wasn't. And even party games, there's not that many that I got to play that I would think that, okay, this is really good. Two games that I wanted to play but I don't own, uh, were Teotihuacan and Smartphone Inc. Those two, okay, the first one I might be able to get, but the other one is impossible to get, and I thought that I'm going to make this list. It's already midway of March. I waited to get Detective to the table and one more game that is coming in top three, but other than that, I got all the other games to the table that I thought would be in top 9. So, a few honorable mentions. First of all, Root. I think it should be in this list, but I have this problem with the game that I only played it one time. And in this kind of a game, if you only play one faction, it's not enough to know the value of the game. Actually, at the moment when I'm thinking, I might not even like the game, but when I was thinking one week ago, I wanted it to table again. Actually, just today I cancelled the expansion Kickstarter because I'm not sure if I will like this game that much that I need new expansion next December. It's a bit ridiculous in my opinion to wait over half a year for an expansion to a game that you might not even want to play. So, yeah, but the artwork is very good and the game was also good, but... I can't put it to the list, yet. Western Legends, very interesting game, sandboxy, but it can't be played seriously. You can't play it seriously. If you play it seriously, you are so disappointed. But if you play it just for the sake of playing and having fun and trying to get some stories and don't care who wins, then it's a great game. It was a bit of a disappointment for me, but not that much that I'm going to get rid of it yet at least. I still need to try the stuff that came with the Kickstarter, the expansion and such. The Mind, uh, not really a game, just an activity. 
I don't hate it, but there's nothing interesting there. You just randomly choose a card. That's it. Bleh. Guns and Clever was the first Roll and Write, actually first board game that I remember playing solo. And then I played it and played it and played it. I don't have the app. I'm playing it because I'm just rolling the dice and seeing what happens and trying to be clever. Keyforge was good. I played it a few times, but I haven't played it for months, I think. now. <laughs> so I can't put it to the list because I haven't played it for a while. I don't even remember how it goes. I didn't play online or anything. I'm just playing with the cards. And I think this is that kind of a game that if you want to play it properly and if you want to be good in the game and if you want your matches to be equal and even, you need to play it online. And I'm not playing online if I don't have to. I just don't want to do it. I play to spend time with people and to hang out with friends and such. Or with the wife or with the daughter, but I mean, if I'm playing online game, I can just do something else. And that's about, no, maybe the biggest disappointment to me this year was Treasure Island. It was hyped so much, it was crap. I mean, seriously, I was the long John and I had no chance at all at any point winning the game. There are broken special abilities that, like that guy who can make this search wherever on the island. I mean, the game that we played, that the player of that guy won the game by not being even close to the treasure. Just made the search somewhere and he somehow teleported the treasure after seeing it with the telescope. And I mean, it was ridiculous. Otherwise very thematic nice, and, but what, the, what is that? It ruined the game for me. I sold it immediately. I don't want to see that game anymore. It has nice artwork and everything, but no, I'm not playing that kind of a game. It's stupid. Three. Maybe we go to the third game on the list, which is the game that I wanted to get played before making this list. This was actually the last game that I want to play before I make the list. And this is Thunderstone Quest. Oh my god, this is a great game. It has too many cards though, so I've only sleeved the first quest <laughs> and the basic cards and the Kickstarter cards. But I already liked the earlier Thunderstone. This is even better. And one of the best things is that you have these rooms that you put to the dungeon. You don't go from one end to the other end. You can decide where you go in the dungeon. And if we understood the rules correctly, you can also stay in the dungeon and continue from there. And it really gives more depth to this game and the cards are cool and everything except that the dual wielding dwarf is overpowered really because he can actually use four weapons or something and make ridiculous damage when he's high enough level. But anyway, it's it was very nice game and I want to play this again. I want to try to play a campaign of this. We played it two player but it might work with three. I wouldn't play with four because I don't like if games don't let you control things. So with four I'm thinking that there might be way less control over the things. Like the heroes might run out much 
earlier and easier because people will take more duplicates and the second and third level heroes will run out before someone gets them and I don't really know. I don't think this is good with 4. 2 it was really good. Nothing ran out too early except those dwarves that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> but it worked very well and I think it will work with 3 players also. But then it's a bit tighter. I think 3 would be the sweet spot for this. Very good game. Thunderstone Quest. Two. Number two on the list is a game based on Industrial Revolution in the UK. And this is Brass Birmingham. Especially the version that Roxley Games now made with the Kickstarter. This is... Whew, it's so good. And I'm saying that the version that Roxley Games made because they also made the original brass into a new version. So they use the same art style. They don't use the old art. Who would use the old art actually? Nobody hopefully. But anyway I had never played any type of brass earlier before I played this. And this is really really good game. Everything works smoothly. The rules are easy. They are not difficult but... Your decisions, they are so important what you do. It's important what the others do. It's important when you do something and why and how and all your decisions have some kind of consequence to you or to someone else. And I really like this game. And I actually got a misprinted box from the Roxley games, from the Kickstarter, and I said about that to Roxley. I didn't notice it earlier. Because I didn't even open the box, I just put it to the shelf. And then one day I noticed that, hey, wait, these names are not in the middle, this is really annoying. And then I asked that, should it be like that? They said that no. And they offered some kind of different ways to handle it. Uh, one of them was that they will send me a new copy if I will gift that copy to a place that suits them. And I said that, okay, we have this board game club here in Johan, so that... Is it fine if I give to that? And we had a convention coming in the next week. And they said that yes, it's fine. Then do it. And they immediately sent me the new one. So I learned the game, unpacked it, everything, punched it, took it to the board game club. The next meeting we have taught the game to three people and said that here you go. Roxley Games is giving it to you. They agreed to give it to you. So here, have a gift. And they were so stunned that... Roxley did such a thing. So here's again one more shout out to you Roxley Games. Thank you so much. You are very good example in this business that you do. And the board game club is still thankful to you. Thank you again. And the game was Brass Birmingham. Number one. Did you watch favorite game Friday the episode where it was about best game of 2018 yes then you know what my game is if you didn't then this might be a surprise to you I said that it wasn't a year of a heavy game but there was one that is in my opinion a bit heavier than medium and that game is Underwater Cities by 
Vladimir Suhi and it's published by Delicious Games. It's their first publication. Um, the card quality is... I mean, I can find thicker paper from the university printers than those cards are. Seriously, <laughs> come on now. You need to... First of all, you can't even look through them before you sleeve them. And that was annoying. I opened the packet, I looked two cards, how they look, and I put them away until I get the sleeves. Then I sleeve them and now they are fine. Also the player boards, they are a bit thin, but I'm not sure if that is a problem in this game. Maybe, maybe not. But if they were cardboard, it would make the price also higher. I don't know what Rio Grande will do for the American release or the other release that they will do, but... I don't know, it's not to me important. What is important to me is that this game has very interesting mechanics, that you have cards in your hand and it's a worker placement game where you have different color slots for the workers and if you choose an action, you also choose a card from your hand that you discard when you do that action. If the color of the card and the action match, then you get to also perform whatever the card says. Um, what makes it interesting is that you can't always combo them. So sometimes you have to just throw the card away. Because every action you take, you need to discard the card. Sometimes you can make crazy combos. Sometimes it's just, okay, I do this and this. But in any case, this is very interesting mechanism in this game that it works this way. This is so difficult game to explain without showing the components and showing how it works, so I can't really do it here. Uh, but it seems that this is too long game with four players. I've only played it with two players and the length was about what it should be. About the same length as Terraforming Mars with two players. About the same. And other than that, oh well, People compare it to Terraforming Mars. Yeah, they might be similar, but then again, they are not that similar. Because, well, they have similar feel to them. But then again, the things you do in them are not similar. It doesn't work like that. Also, one is on Earth under the water and one is somewhere else on a surface, not under the water. But they are not really the same game, in my opinion. But anyway... I suggest you try this if you have the chance, but if you play it with more than two players, prepare yourself that it will take minimum one hour per player if none of the people have played. If someone has played before, it will probably be reduced to minimum half an hour per player. So this is minimum two hour game with four players, minimum. There are so many actions you can do in the game and... You have to consider so many different things. You have to, before taking an action, you have to think that if someone will take that action that I would want also, or if someone will go there, or if someone will do this, or if someone will do this. I mean, and the more opponents you have, the more there are to consider. And I'm, I'm not sure if the number of people brings things to the game uh, in that there is a need for there to be three opponents. I think three players might be best, but two player worked very well also. I think two players might be my go-to way of playing this. 
game and I want to get this to table as soon as possible because it's already been a while since I last played it. The game was Underwater Cities. So that's about it for this episode. At the end of the episode there will be a <laughs> very short Finnish uh, pronunciation class. So you might want to wait until there if you want to. I'll just say a few words and give you an example how to pronounce them so you might know. Especially if you're a content creator and you need to say some of these words then it might help you if you just listen to me and repeat after me. Thank you for listening. It's been a really long time since I made an English episode previously. Remember to comment and give me feedback wherever you can. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud and it's also linked to most of the podcast platforms. It should work in apps also with the RSS feed. You can find me from Instagram with the username mitapelataan, M-I-T-A-P-E-L-A-T-A-A-N. The same username is also in Twitter and Facebook is mitapelata. So same as the previous one without the last A and N. WordPress page is mitapelataan.wordpress.com and email is mitapelataan at gmail.com. You can send me questions, comments, anything, please. I would like to get some feedback also in English not only in Finnish and let me know if you're coming to UK Games Expo if you want to see me if you want to meet if you want to something we'll arrange something if you want to be interviewed please let me know though I don't think any content creator is listening to this but anyway the call is out there now and yeah that's about it thanks for listening let's see when the next episode comes and Maybe it comes sooner than you expect. Thanks for the music. Go to Grimwater. Bye-bye. Welcome to this segment of Finnish for board gamers. So we should start from the basics and this time I'm recording from sauna. Sauna is a part of Finnish culture so I thought that it's good idea to <laughs> record the first episode in sauna. Uh, the sauna is not on though and I'm wearing my clothes so not naked in a steamy room but anyway. When we talk about board games, what is important to know in Finnish is what game is in Finnish. Game is peli. In syllables it's pe-li. Like pe in pendant, li like in lizard. So peli. What is board? Board is lauta. Lau is the first syllable and it's like the middle of the word cloud or loud and ta is like like the beginning in tambourine so lauta 
And in Finnish, we really like combined words. We combine all the words whenever it's possible to make them look ridiculous and have 20 or more letters at some occasions. So a board game is lautapeli. To make it plural, you add T to the end, so it's lautapelit. Thus, the Finnish board game publisher lautapelit is pronounced lautapelit. You can just add dot .fi there if you want. Now to make the range a bit wider, there are also dice games and card games. Card is kortti, so the syllables in it are kort and ti. I have no idea what the syllable kort would be in some English word, but you can just try pronouncing it. Kort. And ti is just like the ti in titsu. So kortti. If you add it with the game, you have what? Korttipeli. That's right. Dice, or actually die, is noppa. Noppa. Again, I can't come up with anything with the first syllable, nop, in English, but you can just try pronouncing it, nop. And the second syllable, pa, is like the pa in patent. So, nop, pa. If you add it with the game, what do you get? Noppapeli. Yes, you're correct. These double consonants are also really important in Finnish language, so, as you see, there is no p, pa and kortti. They might be difficult for English speakers to pronounce in some occasions. So now you know three main types of games. Lautapeli, korttipeli and noppapeli. And if you add t to the end of any of those words, you get the plural. Now what also is important is the name of this podcast and my media name. Mitä pelataan? Mitä pelataan means what do we play or what is being played. It's a passive and it can be used in different ways. Mitä means what and mitä consists of two syllables, mi and tä. The a with the dots on it is pronounced a. The first syllable mi is like the first syllable in the word mingle in English. So, me. Ta is something like a tank. So you can use the first syllable of that. Combining them you get me, ta, mita. The second word pelataan is consisting of three syllables. Pe, la and taan. The first syllable pe is the same as in pension. So, pe. The second syllable la is Pronounced like in the game's name La Grania. Just the beginning, La, and that's it. Tan is again really difficult to find in English. I can't come up with a word including that. So just say Tan. Remember it's a double vowel there. So the word is Pelataan. When you combine them you get the question Mitä Pelataan? Which is the name of this podcast and the name I use in media. Now, if someone would ask you mitä pelataan and you want to reply board games, you can't say lautapelit because it would mean that you play all the board games. So you need to make the plural different plural. 
it usually works with adding letter J there. So in this case you take the I and T away from the end. So you're left with Lautapel and then you add EJA to the end. Simple, isn't it? So if someone asks you mitä pelataan, you can reply Lautapelejä or Korttipelejä or Noppapelejä. So next time if you see someone, you can ask mitä pelataan and see if he or she can reply. Or you know what to reply if I ask it from you if we see each other. Maybe I meet you in UK Games Expo and I'll ask you mitä pelataan. What will you reply? I hope you learned something and we'll continue the lessons in the next episode. From another place, not from the sauna. This has been very uncomfortable sitting here on the board. And it's not really cold in here, even if the sauna is not on. But it's not 80 like normally. And it's not moist. Thank you for listening and see you later. Now you're finished with the double consonant.